Chrissy and it's Byron. Really miss being with you on Sundays and hearing you belting out some tunes. Really hope we can surf together very soon. Love you all. Keep safe. Cheers. Hello to all our friends at the 8 o'clock service. We miss you guys and we love you. We'll see you soon. Stay safe, wear your masks and hopefully we'll see you soon. Love you. Bye. Bye. Bye, Bye Chrissy. Missing you guys terribly. Can't wait to get together and catch up and swap stories under the tent. Sending lots of love from the Puffet family. Bye. And a warm welcome from me as well. Thanks for joining us for another Sunday online. If you want to be featured in our service greetings, we would love to see your faces. All you need to do is record a short video of yourself sending a shout out to the SBC Church and upload it to the file on screen behind me, bit.ly forward slash SBC greetings. Unfortunately, if you tried to do that earlier this week, uh, you may have encountered some difficulties because the message I sent out had a typo. I made SBC capital, but it all needs to be lowercase. And so if you can please drop us those videos at bit.ly forward slash SBC greetings or lowercase, we will then feature your video in one of the Sundays ahead. We would really love to see your faces and I know it would be a great encouragement to the church. This week's Sunday is the start of a new month. We've launched into July and that means that our new Super Sundays experience packs have gone out to you. And we really hope that you're excited to open those up with your kids and see what God has in store for them this month. Today is also the start of our new church sermon series called Songs of Salvation, where each week we're going to be diving into a new psalm together. Matt Johnson will kick us off today with Psalm 23, and then we're going to head into a time of worship together as a church, so please stay on for that. You can also worship the Lord through giving today uh, by EFT, or by dropping us a scripture or a picture or an encouragement in our comment section if there's something that God has laid on your heart for the SBC family. That's it from me. I'm going to hand over to Howard and Shelley and they'll press into the service. Hello everyone. It's good to be with you again today. Enjoy the service with us. And a special warm welcome to those that are joining us for the first time. We pray that you'll enjoy the service. Shelley will read from Psalm 32, just one or two verses, and then we'll pray and commit the service. Psalm 32, verse 7 and 8. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you and watch over you. Let's pray. Father, we just commit this service and this worship time to you. We thank you for your word that we can read it and be encouraged. We thank you for the many promises that are in it for us, Lord Jesus. And so we claim them this morning. We praise and worship you for who you are and what you have done for us and we pray that you'll continue just to lead and guide us. Thank you Lord. Amen. Hello everyone. Welcome to our Sunday online service. A warm welcome to the regulars who've joined in again today and also for the first time uh, you've joined us on a great Sunday because we're kicking off our new mini-series called Psalms of Salvation where we're going to be diving into a couple of psalms over the next few weeks and uh, this is off the back of a great series through Joshua uh, where we looked at uh, lessons on courageous faith and how relevant to our current times that we find ourselves in and we had Mark Woods last week uh, sharing on an area which has become really important for us as a church, which is sexual purity. And we're going to be looking into more of that in the future. But today we get to uh, 
tackle probably uh, a section of scripture, which is for many their favorites. Uh, the book of Psalms, uh, there are hymns, there's 150 of them. They've been sung and read and translated over centuries um, among God's people. And uh, they're probably my favorite because the Psalms are the most relevant scripture, I think, in the Bible, because they're so human. Uh, they aren't afraid to ask life's deepest questions and wrestle with that publicly, disappointments and delays in God, and seeing how God comes through and how they figure out their faith in real life. And uh, today we're going to be tackling probably one of the most famous Psalms, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. And I really sense that uh, this has been put on my heart for us in this context that we find ourselves in um, uh, of COVID and all of the, the challenges facing us as human beings um, in this day and age. And uh, it's the perfect example, this psalm, of uh, the honesty of, of wrestling through and finding answers to life's biggest questions. And uh, we're going to be looking at King David, and he wrote the psalm of how he found the blessing of having this God of the Bible being the shepherd over his life. And uh, so this is going to be relevant for the believer and for the not yet believer. And I really hope today there's a fresh space in your heart where you go, wow, this is the wonder of how I can live my life under the shepherding hand of God and all of the blessing it can bring. And so I'm going to hand over to uh, Richard Milan, who's one of the deacons in our church, and his lovely wife, Tammy, who's one of our uh, fun night champions. And they're going to be reading Psalm 23 for us. Over to you guys. Morning, SBC. Let's read from God's Word. Today's scripture is from Psalm 23, verse 1 to 6. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Thanks so much. All right. So Psalm 23, if you really read it carefully and listen to what it says, addresses a massive need in the 21st century that we find ourselves in. Um, and it addresses this human search for meaningful, satisfied and tranquil life. And uh, so much of what Psalm 23 talks about is what our, our culture is after in this day and age. David says, following this God of the Bible as a shepherd has led to green pastures in his life. And how different to our drivenness in this 21st century. We are always looking for greener pastures. Not so. Yeah, there is... Instead of the sense of fullness and bounty, we in our culture have a real sense of scarcity and lack. We tend to live with a leanness around us and inside of us. And David says in following this God of the Bible, is he's found waters of rest. And it's been quite an interesting experience 
coming out of lockdown recently and having to re-engage with some aspects of normal life. And I'm telling you, it's exhausting, right? I think some of you have expressed yourself saying like, bring back lockdown because it was so much better to be have this kind of free time or to have a, a, a less complicated lifestyle. But um, with lockdown easing, we, we, we re- we're realizing again just how stressed out we are and how we run like chickens with our heads off. And then David says in this following, this God of the Bible, He's found a restored soul. And, you know, I think this is probably one of the greatest struggles that we have in our modern culture is we really are living with a sense of emptiness and hollowness and loss of meaning in our day and age. And it's getting worse. There is a sickness of the soul in Westernized culture. I can only really speak around Westernized culture with some authority because I live in it. I can't really talk about other cultures today, but certainly in our culture, the rise of anxiety and depression, of hopelessness about the present and the future, and this deep characteristic of meaninglessness and dissatisfaction and discontentedness. It just seems to be the sort of sickness of our soul in our culture today. And COVID has just exacerbated all of that. And David goes on to say, you know, in following this God of the Bible, he's discovered that his cup overflows. And this is not just a positive uh, thinking mentality of David. You know, the the common phrase is, you know, do you see the glass half empty or half full? David says, no, his experience of following this God of the Bible and coming under his shepherding hand has been a cup that's overflowing with life. It's not just an outlook of life, it's an experience. And he said, even in the greatest, perhaps, and deepest question that our culture hates to ask, even in the valley of the shadow of death, is he's found that the shepherding of this God of the Bible has been deeply profound and has answered and settled the great question of what happens in this fragility of life and the other side in the afterlife. And friends, again, I want to say to you, this psalm tells us how to find answers to life's most pressing questions and what makes us human. And this is very relevant, not just for the not yet believer, for the person who has not yet come to a place of saying, Jesus, man, is the way, the truth, and the life. And we're hoping that this will be a further step. If that's you today, that this would be a step of a next step for you in seeing Christ as your Savior. But this is also true for the believer, because if we look at the church as a whole today, particularly the Western church, and I would say for you and me, if we had to be really honest, the kind of struggle that our current culture has and what I described in just a moment ago is often seen in the believer as well, not so, is this sense of, of exhaustion, the sense of anxiety and fearfulness, the sense of deep dissatisfaction and restlessness. It's seen not only in those who have not yet tasted of the salvation in Christ, but also for the one who has. And why is that today? And we want to look at this because David has a really profound answer for us. And he's opening up a way for us to enter into this life that we all long for in this world described in Psalm 23. So the first point I want to say today is that David's answer, the the Bible's answer in Psalm 23 is radically countercultural. The first line is 180 degrees difference to what culture will say the answer to finding a satisfied, tranquil, and full life is. 
And it comes through in this, these four opening words of David. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. And that Lord, capital L-O-R-D, is Yahweh. It's a specific term that he uses about God. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. That statement today, it is absolutely radical. And if you will just bear with me for a moment, I want to unpack why. And it should jolt us when we read that verse, that those few lines, because it's in essence what David is saying is, is that the authority over my life is in the hands of another. I'll say it again. When he says the Lord is my shepherd, he's saying the authority over my life is in the hands of another. And all of the blessings of this psalm flow from these four words. It is the fountainhead of all the rest. And you see, to say the Lord is my shepherd, it is heresy. It is blasphemy to our current worldview, the, the contemporary culture's way of looking at life and processing how to live it out and respond to it. Today's culture says, I am my shepherd, I shall not want. That's the mantra of today's culture. David says, if you want to experience the incredible blessing of a, a life that has a cup that's overflowing, it is totally different to what every single media outlet, educational point, the, the total point of departure of what we are immersed in in this world. David says it's, it's radically different. The answer is radically different. The mantra of today's culture says, I am my shepherd. I shall not want. David says, if you want to discover the joy of a life that is overflowing in all of what Psalm 23 describes, is you have to say your starting point is my authority rests in the hands of another. The Lord is my shepherd. You see, in essence, and I, I want to encourage you, if you want to uh, dive into this a little bit more, uh, have a look at our introductory sermon on Psalm 1. It's on our website. And, but in essence, our culture says, don't tell me how to live. Don't tell me what to do. Don't tell me how to organize my life. And in actual fact, the subtle and overt message of all that's coming through these inlets into our lives is this, is that any external authority over your life is bad. Don't trust it. It's abusive. Don't give up. Is that true freedom is to have absolute independence from any other external authority. That's true happiness. That's what the world will say. And so in essence, the individual, you and me, are told, I myself am I am my highest authority, and you yourself are your highest authority. And what feels good for me is right for me. What feels good for you is right for you. What works for me works for me, but don't tell me that it must work for you. That's how it works. But David says, ah, there is something here that is very special that is available for you today. If you will take the risk of going in the opposite direction of culture. You see, today's culture will say, you're your shepherd, you shall not want any other. You're in control. You are the master of your faith, the captain of your soul, as Invictus, that poem says, that I like to quote so often. You have the prerogative of the shepherding role of your life. You get to guide your own path. You get to govern your own life. You get to guide it. You're in control. And you see, this is the funny thing. This is what our 21st century culture can't seem to understand. Is that despite having thrown off all of these old-fashioned uh, shackles, these old wives' tales around having a God that is supreme and all-wise and all-knowing, that his 
authority of your life is good. Having chucked it all out for saying this modern freedom that we want to lay hold of and grasp. What has been the result of all of this? Friends, it is documented. We are more stressed out. We are more burnt out. We are more down and out and checked out than ever before in documented history. You read contemporary news channels, which I like to do quite a lot. My wife tends to complain a little bit from time to time if I'm engaging too much in, in the news feeds. But you'll notice that this documented medical uh, symptom of burnout, it's on the rise, not in your 40, 50, 60 year olds, but in your teenagers and, and adolescents, in your 20 years old, we're in trouble. And you see, we can't seem to figure out why. But this is the problem. This is the essence of, of why things are as they are in our culture today. And listen to me carefully here. You see, if you live by the current worldview that says, you know, you're in control, then, my friend, you're responsible for everything in your life. Let me say it this way. You can't be told you are in control of your life and then not have to take the entire responsibility for it as well. I'll say it again. You cannot be told you're it. You're the one who's the final authority. You're the one who's in control and not have to accept the entire responsibility of all the shepherding functions of your life, the governance of your life, the guidance of your life, the protection of your life, the provision for your life. It's all up to you, my friend. And what you will find is, is the older you get and the longer you live in this world, what you will discover is this. It is a task that is impossible for a human being like you and me, who is a little blob in this vast universe that rocks up for a very short space of time, has a very little limited intellect, has a very weak frame, has to face the forces of nature, the great questions of life. You've got a limited time to do it. And the world is saying, you're it. Good luck. Go for it. You've got to hold it all together, my friend. You've got to make sure that you are the one that's going to guard your life, guide your life, protect your life, provide for your life, and you better do it well because you only get one shot. Oh, and don't forget, if you're a family man or a family woman, you've got, kids, you've got to look after all these people too. Good luck, my brother, my sister. You're it. You see, the funny thing about this is David accepts weakness in this psalm by saying, if God is my shepherd, then I'm a sheep. And it's, it's a bit of an insulting thing to say in terms of 21st century culture, to say, no, no, the right view of ourselves is to see ourselves as sheep. A sheep is short-sighted. A sheep has got no great strength or inner power to its physical makeup or being. A sheep it hasn't got the greatest intellect. A sheep has is vulnerable to fierce wolves and things in this world. The experience of a sheep, my friend, is the experience of a human being that's faced with the reality of trying to be in control in the light of all of these forces of nature around us and deep things that we discover, actually, we've got no real answers in and of ourselves to. That's why we're stressed out. That's why we are utterly exhausted. Because in the essence of our problem as 21st century Christians and even culture today that have been influenced by this worldview of thinking is that we're told you're in control you call the shots but my friend the flip side of that is you're responsible for everything and that's a dangerous difficult and ultimately impossible way to live it will not result in the blessings of psalm 23 that is why if you had to ask me 
why life is so heavy in the 21st century. It's so weighty. If you look at the average human being, particularly in our context, there's not a lot of, yeah, life's great. In actual fact, man, life is just so heavy. And it's the side effect. It's the kickoff of the philosophy that we are inundated with this worldview. Can I say to you today, true joy is found in handing over the ultimate responsibility of your life into the hands of an awesome, all-powerful, all-presence, all-knowing God. And his name is Yahweh, this God of the Bible, the great I am. You know, it's very important. Every word in the Bible matters. This is not God with a general G. It's not saying, well, pick one or create one, and then you'll find ultimately the right one. No, no, it's saying, if you want to discover the joy of what you were created for and entering into the blessing of what you were designed for, man, it comes through this relationship, this encountering and coming under the shepherding hand of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of the Bible, the God of history, the God that is one in three persons, Yahweh, the great I am. And I tell you what, by submitting your life to him, just think about all the ultimate responsibility you hand over that are so weighty and heavy in your life, particularly in these COVID times. You know, the example I think of is my kids, and it, it grates me sometimes, I'll be honest, but here they are, they wake up in the morning. What's for breakfast? There it is. Marina and I have gotten up extra early to chop their fruits, to boil their eggs, to make sure they get nice whole raw oats because they mustn't have high sugar oaties. They mustn't have high sugar cocoa pops. We think, have they drank their water? Have they packed their snacks? Are they getting a balanced diet? Have they been to the toilets? I'm telling you, the, the responsibility to raise these children is massive. They rock up, they waltz, and they say, where are we going today? What are we going to do? They get dressed. They make sure that they have shopping lists done for them. The shopping's done for them. Their medical aid's covered. They have their, their, their swimming lessons, making sure that they are on track for school and they're in the right developmental phase. The, the, the track of their life is on. I'm telling you, to be a parent is to have a sense of what it means to be a shepherd. And I tell you what, we do the heavy lifting for our kids. They get to enjoy life. And life is it fun for them. Have you ever watched young kids? My, my little daughter has this way of falling on the floor and kicking her legs with excitement. We tell them, you're going to go back to school. Ah, we're going to go back to school. Yay, can't wait. She loves school. She's going to go to her nana's house. And everything is just this exciting adventure because they know daddy's going to drive us there. Daddy's going to buckle us in. Daddy's going to pay for the petrol. Man, daddy didn't have a concept what money is because ultimately the higher and ultimate responsibility of their safety and where they're going in life and their provision, they get to enjoy from their mom and dad. That rocks. Now, why does that change ultimately for the Christian? Because in essence, when David says, the Lord is my shepherd, the responsibility for having to think through all of the, where am I going to get my food from ultimately? Where am I going to choose? Must I choose this job? Must I now? What must I do with these employees? What must I do with this COVID-19? I don't know what to make this. God says, you know what? I am the one that takes responsibility for these big, heavy lifting aspects of life that you can live under. My hand in a place of rest, knowing that, hey, God is sufficient. He can do this. 
And he's proven it. I mean, if you just think about it, God's responsibilities are pretty big, not so. When we wake up in the morning, we've got to go to the toilet, get breakfast, and get going for the day. God sustains the universe with his power. And this is the joy. This is the joy. Is David and millions of people that have discovered the same thing of submitting their lives to the shepherding hand of God is that it is good. It is good. It is beyond comparison, my friend. Because the job of the shepherd is the well-being of the sheep. He's not saying the Lord is my dictator, I shall not want. He's not saying the Lord is my fascist leader, I shall not want. I follow him with fear and trembling and hope that I somehow I'm not crushed by his cantankerous anger or his wrath. A shepherd, his posture is one of the well-being of the flock. And friends, the fountainhead of the blessing of Psalm 23 is to come to this place of realizing we're not the shepherds. Praise God. I don't want to be the shepherd of my life. What do I know? What is the strength of my days? What is my true understanding of the future? How do I even understand the past? What am I, as a, as a blob of carbon here for a couple of decades, really understand? And how can I actually cope with life as a whole? But David says, we are not the shepherd. Praise God, we're the sheep. And we have a good shepherd. And he says, that's the starting point of the blessing that Psalm 23 is offering us. My second point is this, is you see, when we acknowledge that we are sheep, and it's difficult to do so, it's offensive, I'll say, if I look at a sheep, they're not the most handsome, most attractive things. But in actual fact, you realize something when you do that, is that we are not the shepherd. And by being the sheep, it comes through in Psalm 23 verse 1, is that we are led by something. We are all led by something. We are not independent in our will over our lives. Sheep are herding by instinct. Sheep are, are, are followers by instinct. And it comes through in, in the second few words here of Psalm 23, where David opens up and says, the Lord is my shepherd, but he says, I shall not want. And that I shall not want means uh, two possible things. Both are correct. But the first is this deep contentment. In other words, because of this God of the Bible's leadership in my life, I lack nothing. Honestly, I'm the most satisfied human being that there can possibly be. My cup is overflowing. Steadfast love and goodness and mercy are following me all the days of my life. There's this contentment. But the other side of it is this, is, is that there are other shepherds to choose from as well. I shall not want means I can want others. But my discovery is this, is that when I look at this God of the Bible and I've come under his hand, man, there's no one else that's better. You see, contrary to what contemporary culture tells us, that we are independent, we're disinterested and dispassionate in terms of we're objective of our lives. We're not. We're followers. We're sheep and we are designed to worship things. And we follow what we worship. And, and the essence is this, is that if you reject the God of the Bible of your life, um, the God who made you, you merely substitute him for something else. I mean, that's what uh, G.K. Chesterton, I think, said. It's a great philosopher. He said, if you stop believing in God, you believe in anything. In other words, you don't enter into a vacuum of, of, of objective self. You actually start following something else. 
And so when you reject God's will, you become controlled by something else. And that's particularly, namely, your own personal passions and desires, what we call the flesh. And if you try and master that, my friend, you try and master your appetites, your pride, your selfish ambition, your greed for more, your sexual appetites, your addictions to social media and devices, you try and uh, control this need for approval or the tongue or this desire with our self-image, trying to go after comfort or intellectual pride or achievements or your reputation or food or sleep, you put whatever it is there, when you start to push back and sort of reform your life, you will find there is great resistance. Because in essence, we are being controlled by something. And if it's not the God of the Bible, it's something else, my friends. We are not this independent, sort of free from all shackled human beings. And I put it to the challenge. Any man or woman that has tried to do this has been faced with the greatest struggle of their life. And what will happen is, Romans chapter 7 verse 9 is the perfect example of it. You start trying to act as an independent shepherd over your appetites and desires, what you will find is ultimately you'll get tripped up, tripped up each time. It says in, in Romans, the things I want to do, I don't do. The good things I want to do, I don't do. And the bad things I don't want to do, I end up doing. Because there's this force that's inside of me that I'm held captive to. And if it's not being held captive to the God of the Bible and his shepherding life and love over us, it's being held captive to something else. And that's the problem. I mean, Proverbs 16 verse 32 says, Whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. In other words, if you are able to rule over your spirit, like James says, be able to control the, the, the tongue, well, then you are able to bridle your whole body. It is tougher to take a city with an army than to rule yourself. And so, friends, we are worshippers. We are followers. And if we are not being controlled by this safe, loving, perfect God of the Bible, we are being controlled by destructive forces, whether that be fear, whether that means a desire for approval, whether that means our pride or our selfish ambitions or the lusts of the flesh, we are being controlled and it is dangerous. It leads to destruction. It leads to disharmony and disorderliness in us. That's where all of these manifestations of our culture, dissatisfaction, burnout, this disillusionment is coming from because we are being controlled by things that are not helpful for us. They lead us down a path of absolute oblivion. And you might be asking yourself, and this is true for the believer and the not yet believer, because I want to say to you, although we have a shepherd, we have to also recognize we have a will. And we can choose who we follow. We do follow something, but we've got to choose. That's the point. I shall not want. David says, I have a free will in this. I can want something else, and I can be led by something else. But I want God. That's the point. How do you know what you're following right now? Well, there's a few things you can look at. The first is, what do you spend most of your time on? And if you, what, what is the thing that you think about the most? What are you preoccupied with right now? How do you prioritize your money? And perhaps some, all of us, what do you fear most losing in your life? Is it your reputation? You know, it could be many different things. A need for approval. You spend most of your time in saying, I've got to work on how people see me. When I walk into a room, I think about how do people view me? I've got to spend my money on making sure I'm presentable. 
The thing I fear most is people's good opinions of me or my lifestyle. Or you can put whatever it is. I'm not achieving what I ultimately want to do. Not being remembered in this life. Not being able to do all the hobbies and things that I would love to do before I die. You can put whatever it is there. What you are giving yourself to in your time, what you think about in your money, what you fear losing most. Friends, that's where we are being driven. Uh, that's what we're following in our life. That's where we're starting to try and find our security and meaning and value. And David says this, what you choose to govern your life has massive consequences. Christians, you've got to hear me here. Not just for the believer, not, not yet believer. What you choose to follow has massive consequences, even more so in our day and age. Because it leads me to my third point. The shepherd you choose determines the experience, your experience in this life. The shepherd you choose determines your experience in this life. What you choose has massive consequences for both good and evil. And you see, this is what will decide whether you enter into the blessing of Psalm 23 or not. And you must remember, David had everything in this world. He was successful. He had power. He had women. He had money. He had looks. I mean, and yet all of that you could say, I've realized that there is this God, this God of the Bible, and nothing compares to him. And you have to decide, sometimes on a daily basis, sometimes as a moment-by-moment moment basis, who you're going to follow and who you're going to entrust your life to. And Scripture guarantees the mark of God's leadership on your life will be good. David says, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. These other shepherds, they don't lead you to that. Oh, but God, God in his goodness leads to love and mercy flowing in our lives. You know, I want to encourage some of the older sheep in our flock to tell your story. I had a, a, a granny that lived up the road from me. Her name was, is Granny Gaynor. And she had has a very simple faith. But she sort of took me under a wing and I adopted her as, as my granny. And she used to say to me over and over again, she was a widower, a widow, and uh, she lost her husband. Um, and she said to me, Matthew, the Lord has looked after me all these years. He'll look after me now. And she is frail now and she is getting on in age. But she said to me over and over, she'd look at me and say, God has looked after me and he will look after me still. And her life has been a life of tranquility and peace through many difficulties. And yet... She has shared and, and deposited in my life the leadership of this God in her life has proved true over and over. And it comes through in Psalms, um, this wonderful psalm where it talks about how it says, I was young and now I am old. In other words, my whole life, but I have never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging for bread. Friends, I want to say that all the the older believers in our in our congregation in your life share your story of God's shepherding. Because I want to say to you now, I'm only 34 years old, but I want to say to you, God has been faithful. Marina, I can tell you story after story in choosing jobs, where to move to, what decisions to make around various aspects of our lives. Financially, God has been faithful. He has been so good. And every time that we've cast our cares upon him and said, God, true happiness is to be in your will. That's it. That's the bottom line. We all wrestle through what we want, where we want to go, what would be more comfortable. And we land on this. We say, at this in our lives, God, we have set you from the start of our marriage. Happiness is to be in your will. That's where we want to be. And I tell you now, 
God has been faithful. He has been faithful. And we have watched as we've handed over the heavy lifting in our lives to him. God has come through and goodness and mercy has been abundant. And I want to say to you, there have been difficult decisions at times. When we had to move out to Sunny Ridge to be a part of the Ridge plant there, it was difficult for us because we left a lot of what was close to us and and, and pleasant, this side of where we are now in Beacon Bay. But I want to say to you, what didn't seem like natural logic at the time proved to be one of the greatest seasons of blessing in our lives. You see, because ultimately what we are saying here, when David says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, he's saying, I am following this God according to what he says, not according to what I see. Sheep don't see very well. They have to listen to the voice of the one who cares for them. And based on what he says, that's where he goes. He calls them. Come, come, come. He sees what's happening on on the other side of the hill. He sees what's going on. They don't know the full picture. But by living by this voice of God in the Christian life, by these sheep having the shepherd, they live according to what the shepherd says, not according to what they see. And it's good. It's good. And so today, my friends, he'll be faithful to you. He'll lead you on paths of righteousness. He'll know when you're tired. You know, there's times where God has said to me, Matt, it's time to rest, my boy. You can trust me. I'll make you lie down by streams of rest. Some of us need to hear that today. God said, just slow down and rest. Some of us need to hear God's voice saying, I'm going to lead you in green pastures that there will be enough grass to eat. There will be enough for you. And it will be in such a space that even though outwardly there seems to be a lack, inwardly you will experience waters of rest and a restoration of your soul. God cares about your soul. He cares about your well-being. And I tell you, I guarantee you from God's word today, don't take my word for it. I'm just affirming what God has, has done and I've taken his word for it, is that he will be good to you. He will know how fast you need to go. He'll know when you need to slow down and stop. He'll even know exactly on what path to walk in. And can I say today, the more I engage with social media and the more I engage with, with, the, with news feeds, I want to say to you, nobody knows where to go. We are at a time when nobody knows what to do. <laughs> there are no experts for life. In this COVID season, I want to say to you, there hasn't been experts before because so much of what was spouted as being the answers of life has been smashed by this pandemic. Before the Christian, my friend, the path is secure under the leadership of God in your life. He saw this pandemic coming years ago, before the beginning of time. He knew that time you'd be born. He knew what you'd need in this season, and he knows how to lead you through it perfectly. And I tell you, the experience of the Christian is one of certainty and the things that matter in this life. We don't know how this pandemic is going to happen circumstantially, but we do know who's going to lead us through it and what the outcome on the other side ultimately for your life and mine is going to be. It's going to be eternity. It's going to be with God, and it's going to be joyful. This this light and momentary affliction is not going to be compared to surpassing with what David says to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Friends, today we have to take cognizance of what we have in this God of the Bible. It's massive. He leads us on paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And I want to say to you, you know what the secret of true joy is? I want to recommend you to your book if you haven't read it yet. It's 45 pages. It's short and it's cheap by Tim Keller. It says, the freedom of self-forgetfulness, the freedom of self-forgetfulness. Do you know what the great freedom of our day and age is? 
that, that modern culture will not tell you, the great freedom of, of, of life and joy is this, is actually to forget yourself. <laughs> David says, he leads us on paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Do you know how, how liberating it is to not be obsessed with ourselves? Our rights, our wants, our expectations, our dreams to fight for all these things. It's exhausting. It's exhausting. And I tell you what, the true secret of joy is what Jesus says. If any man seeks to save his life, he'll lose it. If you want to seek to fight for your rights, to fight for this, to fight for that, your expectations, your dreams, you, you are so obsessed with you, you will find the true joy of life passing you by. Ah, but if any man loses his life for my sake and the gospel, you living, you're living for a bigger picture. Loving God and loving others, your life being committed to a much bigger paradigm than just you. Let me tell you, it leads to such freedom. It leads to such joy. leads to such meaning. leads to such contentment and rest. Because you suddenly find yourself caught up with something that is eternal. And that has eternal value. And true joy is finding what John the Baptist says. He must increase. I must decrease. My joy is to be caught up with something that is unfading, someone who is unfading and glorious. It is more blessed to give than to receive. This joy of losing oneself and finding it in another, it is the true secret of happiness, my friend. That's a sermon for another time. And so I want to end very, very briefly with just a couple more statements. My fourth point today is his shepherding upholds in all seasons. Do you notice there are four seasons in the psalm? Is that his goodness and mercy doesn't just flow in the green pastures. It leads you through the valley of the shadow of darkness. That's the Hebrew of death. You don't fear any evil. You can be facing the darkest valley right now, my friend. I want to say to you today, if you will yield to your shepherding, he will be so close. He's rod and his staff. They'll comfort you and lead you. It says, for you are with me. That's what it says. You are with me. It can be in opposition. You notice he lays a table in the presence of your enemy. Some of you have been un, un, wrongfully accused. You've been wronged by bosses. They haven't paid you out your salaries. You've been, uh, you, there are situations happening right now where there is opposition and difficulty, misunderstandings. I want to say to you today, you will find God even laying a table before you in the presence of you will have enough from him in the presence of all these enemies. And I want to say, even the fourth season we see in the psalm, eternity is guaranteed in him. You will dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of your life. Friends, his goodness and mercy, this cup overflowing, is not the absence of going around these seasons. It's goodness and mercy through these seasons. And that might feel like a loss on the outside, but I'll tell you what, as you yield to God, it leads to richness on the inside. It will lead to such joy. All those days, no matter what those seasons are in those days, will be goodness and mercy. What a shepherd. And lastly, I want to point this out, is that God shepherds through intimacy. What really excites me in this psalm is that it talks about a closeness with this God. A shepherd is close. You know, a shepherd loves the sheep. He picks them up. He talks to them. He knows that's 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 blinky, that's that's spotty, that's that's a, that one's pregnant. Oh, that one's hoof's not so good. That they need they need some more. The intimacy 
the closeness of what the psalm talks about, it just makes me go, I want that. That I can get close to this God of the universe and in this loving relationship. And remember, as Christians, David knew Yahweh as this covenantal God of the Old Testament. We know this good shepherd as Jesus Christ, the full reflection of the Father. That Christ has come in the flesh and now he's filled us in our hearts through the Spirit. We get to enjoy what it means to be close to this shepherd. It's the most exciting thing. You can hear the same voice that made the universe speak into your life and say to you personally, hey, I love you. This is what I want you to do today. Oh, don't do that. He comes with his personal presence. He says, I'm going to shepherd you from that space. Praise God. Praise God. What a joy. And today, my friends, He's the one that makes you lie down. He's the one that makes you restore your soul. He's the one that makes you enjoy what is it. It is coming from the presence of God. And you ask, well, what is one thing we have to do in all of this? Apart from choosing him and saying, what must I do in this relationship? Do you know what the essence of what it means to be shepherded? It means you just stay close to the shepherd. For some of us, there's been trials that have made us question whether or not the shepherd is good in this season. Maybe there's been a delay of God's provision and you are on the last breadcrumbs in the pantry or someone you really love has been touched by COVID or someone has died and in this situation you couldn't see them or be next to their bedside table or you have difficulties where you've been you've been badly handled or maybe you're just given into fear and you're hearing all this wonderful thing about courageous faith and you're going I don't feel courageous at all I feel like so far from God it wasn't let me tell you now what is the one thing God asks of you today is to draw close to the shepherd and you do that by choosing saying, God, I trust your hand here. I don't walk by what I see. I trust you according to what you've said. And so today, I draw close to you. I slow down and I pray. I look to you, Lord. I want to be close to your voice. And whatever means we have available to us, through scripture, through times of closeness, through community, I want to say to you, you need your brothers and sisters right now. Shepherding is over a flock. A sheep is not on their own. If you've wandered from community, you need to get back. You need to touch base. You need to get stuck into being close with your brothers and sisters. Because ultimately, all of these avenues of prayer and scripture and fellowship, oh, they are means to draw close to the shepherds. What we think about during the day, being soft in our hearts to him. That is what God is asking us today. If you've gotten a heart in your heart, soften your heart before him. Today, your responsibility is to be shepherded by him through intimacy. He does the heavy lifting. You do the softness in obeying. And so today, friends, as I'm going to pray, what is it that's making your life heavy today? What is it? Oh, I just can't cope with this anymore. What is that thing that God needs to say to you again? That's my job. That's my responsibility. Remember what Jesus said? My yoke is easy and my burden is light because he does the heavy lifting. We come under that. And friends, today, what is it that's on your heart that is troubling you? You're going, I can't do this. Or, I don't know what the future is. Where do you need to say to God? God, I'm handing this over to you in your faithfulness again to shepherd my life. And then for the unbeliever, not yet believer, I want to say to you today, God promises to be good to you if you will come under his leadership. And it starts with coming under the leadership of Jesus, where you say to Jesus Christ today, you are my way, you are my truth, you are my life. 
And would you engage in that journey with us today? We'd love to help you. You can get hold of us via our website. You can make contact with us today. But friends, today, the Lord is your shepherd and you'll discover if you will let him lead you, even if it's moment by moment, you shall not want. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the joy of Psalm 23. Oh, Lord, if there's any brother or sister right now that is heavy laden, Lord, would you please invite them again to cast that care upon you, for you care for us. What is that one thing? Would you just say to God right now, please, Lord, take this, shoulder this for me. I, I can't do this. I trust you. I'll let you do the heavy lifting. I come under your shepherding again. I wait for you. In my perplexity, my uncertainty, I wait for you. I wait for your voice. In my unfulfilled desires or or need, I wait for you, Lord. I look to you as my source. Would you say that to him today? I hand this over to you. And for the not yet believer, would you just say to Jesus, Jesus, you are my way. I want to follow you. I believe in you as my Lord and Savior today. My rescue is through what you've done for me on the cross. I believe it. I receive it today. Choose to turn away from my sin and look to you. It's my Lord and Savior. Help me live for you today as my shepherd. In Jesus' name, amen.